Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Well, so I'm really excited today to have Carolyn with us, Carolyn Clark from Love Compels. Yeah, give her a big hand. Come on up here. Would you mind, Carolyn? As she's coming up here, this is, she always cuts up. This is, uh, she is, she always says, I'm, I'm, she's my sister from down under. And you'll see why in a minute when she starts talking. But there's her beautiful family. That's Carolyn. There's Abby and Tim. Yes, Abby, Abby, Abby. Tim's traveling. He couldn't be here this weekend. But um, these guys, we've known them for so long. And uh, I tell this story, I don't know how many times I've told this, but if you're new here and um, hadn't been in a while or you hadn't been around, don't know, uh, it's been, when you guys left to go overseas, I, I, my mind is so thrown from the last year and a half, but you, you hadn't been back to Australia. No, since 2018. 2018. Her family is in Australia. 2018. So, oh, yes, ma'am, sure enough. And so um, can you guys give me some lights out in the room too? But she took me on my first, I always say this, she took me on my first uh, successful missions trip. I say the first successful because, uh, not just because we came back alive, it really was great. Because the first one Haley and I went on was like craziness. I, I would I after I went with her, I realized, oh man, we did not know what we were doing, and I realized she knew a lot more. So helped me a lot plan other trips. I took other teams back, and so anyway, just a wonderful, wonderful friend in ministry. I was. Is it not still not working, huh? This is number three. Here, use mine for a second. Check, check, check. There we go. Got it. Got it. We good? Okay. He was so young. It was lovely. <laughs> and For, was... First and only trip, though, where we ever missed a plane. <laughs> of all the trips I've led, there's only one trip where we missed a plane. But it was wasn't my trip. fault. It wasn't his fault. Or Haley's fault. Mm-mm. Okay, just wanted y'all to know that is the truth. And how she made it happen, I have no idea still. Because I've taken other there. trips, and um, that was nuts. I thought I was going to pull my hair out, and I wasn't leading the trip. Because all the bouncing around trying to redirect flights. This is, you know, that was a lot to deal with. But anyway, so glad you're here and so glad you're, you're here with us. And, you know, you guys know our global partners that they are in the Middle East. I'll let her share how far she wants to share with all those different things. But um, one thing I want to tell you is this. We may take a question from you. Uh, so I'll put this information on the screen for you about uh, if you want to go to Slido. Is the, is, the, is the website. There you go. I'll leave it up there for you. If you have a question and it's pertinent and I feel like it can be used, I'll give it to her. If it's not, just realize whatever you put on there, no one's going to see it on the screen, but everybody will see it in the room. So if you put, hi, my name is Jody, and uh, hey, what's your favorite dessert? We're not going to ask her that, okay? Apple pie. Well, there you go. There you go. But but if you want to ask that, you can put it on there, and we, we may use your question, okay? But um, just anyway, so glad you're here. So glad you you can make it and travel in and... Um, having me. Yeah, absolutely. So glad for all that's going on. Um, so we're going to ask a couple of questions. I just told her it'd be a little bit easier. Um, want to ask some questions probably you have and let her share some things about what's taking place in the Middle East. And I guess the big question would be is I've been with you to Colombia and South America. Uh, you have been to almost the major countries and nations and continents of the world. Mm-hmm. But compared to those things, what's it been like moving to <laughs> the Middle East? Uh, it's been crazy. (laughs) 
So uh, we are in a part of the region, um, I don't know whether you've, you know, if you know us, you know where we are, um, that currently is experiencing, they say, the biggest financial collapse of any nation since the 1850s, and that's globally. So I've, you know, I've lived and worked in villages, you know, we worked a long time in, in Southern Africa, places where you don't have power or running water. But what we're experiencing right now is an urban setting that is completely losing infrastructure. So we've had to deal with um, electricity that's off sometimes the majority of the day, just trying to keep food safe. Um, we've had to deal with energy crisis, fuel crisis. We had weeks and weeks and weeks where we didn't know when we were going to get gas, fuel. And so literally people are lining up overnight, leaving our cars in a line overnight and having to walk home just to try to get petrol. So there's been a lot of just natural challenges as we watch a country really suffer. And people are incredibly suffering. There's over 80% of the population where we are that is in abject poverty. Businesses are closing all the time. Just so that you understand, like even companies like Coca-Cola have pulled out. And I've been all over the world. You can always find a Coca-Cola. There is no Coca-Cola in the country where we are. So they're just pulling out left, right, and center. So in that that way, it's been really challenging. Okay. I will tell you, we've had a few trips out of the country just to take a breath. And when we landed in Jordan, my daughter got off the plane, hit, you know, got into the uh, airport and said, electricity! (laughs) Whoa! And it was like, yep, yep, that's what she's dealing with. So at the same time, we've just, you know, God has been so good to us and we're just so graced and we are okay and we are healthy and we are happy and we are effectively ministering. So it's just more challenging than in most places. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny when she was talking to me uh, about some of these things, I was asking her, uh, so, you know, you think about it, you think, man, you think COVID, which has been an issue and they have had that there too. But in light of all that, you think, my goodness, could you imagine what it would be like if you had a pandemic and an economic collapse of the nation? It's just unimaginable to think. And then, you know, one of the things that I want to show, um, just the Middle East map. Please don't show the country map. Please just show the Middle Eastern, the big one that shows all the nations at once, if you don't mind. So just so you can get an idea of the Middle East, uh, it's the lighter tan countries, give or take. Some other people say different things. But yeah. just um, given an idea of just looking over that and where you see the thought of ministering in a nation that is you know, within this region. And the reason I'm not saying it is because I'm – I'm not going to say publicly, there's a lot of things they do that um, we don't want on uh, social media and we don't want it out publicly and we're streaming right now live, but um, she can speak to whatever she wants to. I've told her, I'm I'm very cautious about what I say because I never want to reveal things that would uh, uh, hurt them or affect them negatively. Can I just say, if you you are a friend and you follow us on Facebook, it does look like we're just tourists. (laughs) I often often feel like, you know, we are really doing something, but, but you have to be like, sometimes if people don't understand you go into some of these nations, why that's so important. You, you need to have a certain persona about you and a cover in a sense, and you need to look like tourists. You can't go in there like we do here and set up a church sign and do, that's just not going to happen. Um, maybe share some of the things like over it. Cause when we look at these nations, I, I want you to see this because in every one of those nations, there are Christians. 
Every single one of those nations have believers in them. My friend Steve, when we went to South Sudan, they're full of Christians. Sudanese, North Sudan, even though it's just the Christians live there. So the political climate, I just want to say this before we go further. When you hear people say, oh, why don't we just understand when you say, why don't we just, here's a family member that lives in one of these nations that we need to think about before we start saying, hey, why don't we just understand our brothers and sisters are in these countries. So don't, I say that just not to get so Americanized about our thoughts of why don't they just, it doesn't work like that over there. So anyway, maybe what are some things that God's doing? Like maybe share some of that since. uh, So it's actually um, shocking. I mean, you read the Bible and you hear that you read the stories and the miracles and we believe in them. But I would say God is moving, particularly among people of Muslim background and in this region, not only in this region, also, you know, in Central Asia and South Asia, but um, in spectacular ways. So here's just a few stories. And this is just from the last two weeks. So I'm meeting with um, local leaders, and they're telling me a story of somebody they just recently encountered. And one of the questions you ask um, somebody of uh, another faith, or particularly Muslim background, you might ask them a question like, have you ever seen or had a vision or a dream of a man in white? And this is a common question, because so many Muslims are having visions and dreams of Jesus. Or some kind of angelic visitation. And when I say so many, I mean almost everyone I've ever spoken to that's of Muslim background has had some dream or vision that led on their journey to Christ. And so he was telling me of this Syrian that he spoke and he asked that question. um, And he basically said, yeah, during the war, when the bombs were being dropped on us, There was a time when I was out working in the field. He was a farmer and they were dropping bombs. The bombs came right where we were working. And I gathered my children and I looked up and I saw this enormous man, this glowing man. And he beckoned me to him and I hid my whole family under him as he covered us. And this, uh, my friend was able to tell this man who he was and lead him to Christ. Another story, just again, just over a week ago, that we heard from other people that we um, help coach and mentor local people. And they had gone into a refugee camp and asked a similar question. Have you ever seen Isa el Messiah or had a vision of a man in white? And the elderly man said, yeah, I did many years ago, but I haven't seen him recently. And so our friend said, would you like to? just prompted by the Holy Spirit. And the the man said, yeah. And so he laid hands on him, prayed for him. This is in a tent, a Syrian refugee tent. And the man fell down like as if he was in a coma. In fact, they thought he was dead. And, you know, they've never seen anything like this. And he was like lying in some kind of trance for 45 minutes. The family panicking, thinking, what's happened? (laughs) You know? And then he comes to himself and he begins to tell about where he got taken and he got taken to this place called the kingdom. And he said, he talks about a lamb that he saw that was if the lamb was dead and began to talk about everything that he had seen during this vision when he was, this kind of thing is happening. And so he was led to Christ. 
One of the women, and this just happened last week, is uh, somebody who's quite prominent in her country. Her family is very known, but she is a believer. And um, she's really suffered during the pandemic because she had to shelter in place with her family. And she's a single woman, so it's been quite difficult. And we got to spend a lot of time with her recently. And so I've been discipling her as best we can. We know we read scripture together, we pray together, teaching her how to feed herself and worship. So just last week, we were having a session together, um, you know, through an app. And she tells me, so I went back to my apartment and I began to worship and pray. And then there was like this mist, this fog that just started to fill my apartment. She said, Carolyn, I didn't know what it was. It was kind of scary. She said, in fact, it scared me so much that I ended up running out of the apartment and, and continuing to worship in God, God in my car. And so I went on to, of course, okay, let's do a Bible study on what this might have been. So these kinds of things are happening all the time. And it's really, for me, it shows me how much God wants to reach these people. I was surprised how many questions I've gotten in. Um, so you just, I think, answered a few uh, right there. But um, these are really good questions. So I'm going to pivot from uh, the next one because I think it kind of, these will be answered by some of their questions. Um, but so one of the questions is, I guess that this will be the area of challenging uh, situations. How do you bring hope in a situation that some people may feel is hopeless? Mm-hmm. Like, there's, my thought was, man, it's such a great challenge, like what you said over there, that's sometimes beyond our ability to even imagine sure. here. Well, you know, we're not actually here to bring natural, temporary hope. I mean, th- there is hope for our natural circumstances. So um, God is well able to provide. God is well able to heal. And God is well able to preserve, even in war, in conflict, in famine, in financial collapse. And he does, and he he is, and we have countless stories. But that's not why we're there. Ultimately, we're there to bring hope for something eternal and something that remains. And so when everyone wants to talk to us about the government and how depressing it is, which is like every day... (laughs) Every day, wherever we go, everyone wants to tell us how awful things are. You know, here too. Yeah, (laughs) all our conversations. I mean, we just try to imitate Jesus. You know, is to turn everybody towards what lasts forever and what's truly important. So we're trying to bridge every natural conversation into a spiritual one about what really matters. That's that's really good because that is is fantastic because we do we forget that. The eternal is what is, is, it matters more than anything else. Um, I told the church this year, I've, I've done more funerals than I've ever done. So when people talk to me about things and say, oh, this is just, you know, they're, they're making up this stuff or it's just blown out of proportion. I tell them, well, you know, once you just come with me to the funeral homes and explain to these families your point of view, because um, that's not what I've experienced this year, whether it be something COVID or not. My, my point in saying that is every single time, everyone's possessions, the things they've accumulated in life, their 401ks, 
homes, boats, you name it, nothing matters. The only thing that matters is what you just said. It's the hope in Christ. And so being that that is, it is a challenging area. Every area has its own set of challenges. Um, I think we think we don't have any challenges here, but I think that's the biggest deception. That'd be enough for another day, maybe, or at the end, maybe. But um, what is your greatest need? My need or challenge? Well, you could say either one. What's your greatest challenge or what's your greatest need, whichever one you want to, or both. Or both. Greatest challenge is communication because I'm learning Arabic. And Tim is trying with a southern accent. Um, and, and they joke that uh, Arabic is the heavenly language because it takes eternity to learn it. Yeah. And uh, obviously the people we invest in the most right now do speak English. But the people we're either we're trying to reach or we're trying to help them reach speak all sorts of dialects of Arabic. And they really are. I can't speak the same Arabic in Egypt or Jordan or Lebanon or Iraq. It's all different. So language learning, if you want to pray for something, <laughs> pray for that. Um, but, but, but also bridging the gap. You know, you talk about there's Christians here and there are. In most of those countries, uh, there's less than 2% those who, who identify as Christians mm-hmm. and less than sometimes 0.2% that are evangelical, okay, which means other than Orthodox or Catholic. Uh, so bridging the gap between those that identify as Christians, their culture and their mindset, and the vast majority of people that are lost and seated in darkness. Because part of what we do is mobilize. We're mobilizing believers to reach those who need to hear and know him. And there's an enormous cultural divide between. So that's, uh, that's our greatest challenge. Yeah. Greatest need... Someone specifically asked, yeah. what's your greatest needs right now, and how can we help meet them? Okay. So, so hey, opportunity. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, I don't mean to be super spiritual, but prayer, <laughs> if you are prompted by the Spirit, because we are in a lot of interesting situations, and I have a hundred stories of when somebody was dealt with to pray for us, and we saw an answer. And so if you have an understanding of prayer and are yielded to him, please, if he prompts you to, pray for us, because it really does bring results. Um, We have some practical needs. Obviously, where we are, um, it's it's collapsing. So, like, even just electricity. So I'm looking for solutions, and solutions other than a diesel generator, because there's challenges with getting diesel. Um, so if you are one of those people that are survivalists, and I am in Georgia. <laughs> like a doomsday prepper, right? Yeah. You know, this is the first time that I will have an eager conversation with you. <laughs> um, because I actually, we're looking at sustainable solutions for you know an apartment or a house. Um, we do host a lot of people. That's part of how we train. For, and I know solar is one, but if you have knowledge on this subject, come come and see me because I'd really appreciate that. And the next thing is team members, both national and foreign. They're people we work with, but we are always looking for more. That's really good. That's really good. And I don't think, when she says about prayer, obviously we hear that and think, well, of course we'll pray. 
but I mean specifically that that is very real. Um, so somebody asked a couple. Of, uh, there's so many good questions on here. I'm going to talk some on this, but like people really have a lot of interest here. So if you don't mind, no. okay. Um, one thing is this is not a question; it's an encouragement. Someone just said, "Thank you for bringing the kingdom to people." That's cool. It is cool. Um, <clears throat> I'll let you look at some of those if you want. I don't have my glasses. Okay. okay. Do you care if I just ask no, you? No, yeah, ask you. You don't care, do you? That's mm-hmm. what I figured. Okay. So um, here, here's one that kind of goes to some of this. Do you experience persecution because you're a Christian in a different way there than here? Uh, I don't. So don't worry about us so much. The people that we train, coach, mentor, and disciple do. Yeah. A lot. Um, and that's part of why we do what we do. It's very difficult for somebody who is of Muslim background. Yeah. Um, it does vary from place to place. Some countries a bit different. Um, some contexts different. Every family. So it's always by the individual. But yes, we are always dealing with that. And this is part of the reasons why we're not talking as openly as we could. Because it's not us, actually. We're fine. The worst thing that can happen to us, probably, is we'll get kicked out. But but it's the people that we help that are sometimes like like I think I sent you something just last yeah. night. Yeah. You know, a Which photo of you. us praying for somebody, a Muslim background believer, come to Christ, was winning many to Christ in his country, and then they started to threaten his family. And so he's had to leave his country and is now resettled somewhere else. And I sent you a photo of us yeah. praying for him. Yeah. yeah, which we will be praying for him. And mm-hmm. my wife, even because you sent it, she's like, came and told, you realize she is saying, do not share this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, thank you. She's <laughs> thank like, you, are baby. you sure you understand what I'm saying? It's like three times. That before. was just for you. <clears throat> <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> she knows me well. So, um, so this is ties into that. Since there's so many good questions. I mean, we had some stuff planned, but. Okay. Our church wants to know about what you're doing, so I think mm. that's more yeah. probably important to hear. Mm. Um, someone asked a question about reaching Muslims. Yeah. Um, like how can you or how should Christians speak about Muslims publicly? Mm. You asked me, hey, what if this comes up? Mm. I'm cool with whatever you want to share. It doesn't okay. bother me. Great. We have Muslims in our neighborhood. and so How should Christians speak about Muslims yeah. publicly? Yeah. Um, as we should speak about everybody <laughs> with love, <laughs> as if they are of uh, eternal consequence to God and as if he loves them and longs for them and longs to have relationship with them it's with kindness and compassion. Now, it's like anything, any, any group, evangelical Christians, for goodness sake, it's a pretty wide range of people. How are we going to speak about them? Are we going to speak about the crazy ones? You know, how are we going to speak about them? Yes, they exist. Oh, how are we going to, speak? I mean, it's, it's like anything else. These are humans and, and there's a wide range from extremists to secular to people that are just conforming because it's their culture. So speak with love and compassion. Speak as if it's the words of Jesus. That's good. And then a follow-up, this kind of ties in with it. Mm. I think this comes from American culture because, you know, we're here, and most of the, what we see, I hate it, but this is why I say be careful what you watch on TV because it's portrayed mm. until you visit those refugee tents. Everyone thinks it's, well, it used to be ISIS, now it's whatever, is infiltrating the tents, and they're finding a way on a boat, and they're coming up through Louisiana, and they're going to infiltrate the world and take over America. Oh. That's the 
Well, that's what's propagated many times. But, that's exciting. Yeah, isn't it though? So, um, but someone asked the question, though, a serious question. Should they be afraid of Muslims? Actually, I had a word for this church, which I was going to give tentatively. I was going to ask you <laughs> if you had something you wanted to share. When I was praying so this cool. morning. And so it was cool. simple. It was uh, something very biblical. Do not be afraid. Mm. Do not be afraid. Set your eyes on what is eternal. Set your eyes on what will last. The kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of God and of his Christ, and that's where we're headed. So don't put your trust and your faith in things that will pass away. Kingdoms come and kingdoms pass. This is history. But his kingdom will never pass away. So don't be afraid. Be bold. Fulfill your purpose for what you were born for and for what he has appointed you. Amen. Amen. I was going to ask you if you had something. That's so cool. The Lord knows. Um, so a couple of questions coming in. I'll, I'll we'll kind of move into this next part and kind of tie in with some of this. So what I told Carolyn we were going to talk about was some in Second Timothy, and which we'll hit a few things. Um, but as you read this week in your Bible, you're going to read First and Second Timothy. But the whole context of those are, are really based upon the beauty of discipleship. And then what Carolyn is talking about, what they're doing overseas, and what Americans should be doing. I want to say that what we should be doing is the exact same thing. One of the questions was, in light of talking about Timothy, Paul, faithful leaders and others also, but someone asked the question, why do you think more miracles and things don't happen in America, but they do overseas? That's an interesting question, huh? Yeah, so so there's not a simple answer, but I would just direct you to Scripture, which actually is always hopefully my answer. Um, and Jesus himself, full of the Holy Spirit and anointed, in certain situations could there do no mighty work. And so the only solid answer I have is the same answer that Jesus did. And he marveled at their unbelief. Now I could speculate about other things. Why we have unbelief. Why it happens. But that's the only biblical, solid biblical answer that I can have. That in certain settings, and there's all sorts of reasons why. They believe in God. They believe in spiritual things. They, they believe in the spirit realm. Then it's easier to see God answer them. Because they have faith. That's true. That's a very good answer, I think. Um, I was going to say, in part of the region in the Middle East, there is a city in biblical times called Tyre and Sidon. <clears throat> and Jesus it's in said, Lebanon. It is in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to look it up, you can look it up on, on Britannica or something like that or whatever, Wikipedia. I guess you could get some half-truths there. But anyway... Um, Tyre and Sodom, Jesus said that to Capernaum, the place where he did all these miracles and mighty deeds, he actually said to Capernaum, had the miracles been done in Tyre and Sidon that you have seen, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Which tells you exactly what she says. I think we get too familiar with our message 
And this is why I'm going to say this as we lead into this next part. We should be doing what our friends are doing overseas and make disciples. But we have been conditioned to believe that what we are doing right now is church, a Sunday morning experience. And therefore, it depends on what happens up here. That's my experience. And that's it until next Sunday. So what I was going to talk to Carol and ask her some questions about this morning for us to kind of hear is this idea of discipleship. <clears throat> and what are your ideas on discipleship from the standpoint of how do you determine who to give that type of relationship to? Because it is close, personal, and time-consuming. So I know you have some folks that you guys have poured into over there. How do you determine who to give that relationship to? Um, on one hand, I do believe God determines. So we're listening. That's, that's, I mean, Jesus said, you know, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And he was speaking to his disciples. So there's an element that God does choose, and we look for those connections. And, and how do you determine the will of God? It's that inner. <clears throat> yeah, it's, you know. um, but then there are some very practical things. In fact, First and Timothy, First and Second Timothy, when you even look at the, the list of elders and deacons and qualifications, some of those ones we're looking for in people. So I look for people that are hungry. Okay, I'm not going to bother investing in people that don't turn up, don't show up, and aren't that interested. <laughs> Sorry, Jody. Um, <laughs> Please don't apologize. I agree. I agree. Um, reliable, faithful, you know, be, be, because if they're unfaithful, again, you can invest heaps in them and there'll be no fruit. You know, they'll be inconsistent. All right. So you look for the reliability and faithfulness. Do they do what they say they do? Or do they turn up when they're going to turn up? We look for, in addition to that, which is connected, accountability. So it's not just enough to say I'm a believer or say I'm a doer of the word. We put into our time together, our worship, our Bible study, our prayer, accountability. It's very much intrinsic part of the DNA. So every, after every gathering, whether it's over a cup of coffee and we studied scripture or whatever, there's a question asked sometimes along the lines of, so how are we going to put that into practice? What are we going to change this week based on what we just heard and read? Make it really simple. And they have to make a statement. They have to say, well, based on this, and with some of them we do it every, you know, almost every day. Um, well... I'm going, to look, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to tell this person if it's sharing their faith, or, or I'm going to change how I handle this. And then the next meeting, the question is, so did you do what you said you would do? So they have to be willing to be accountable. Yeah. And then other things like not argumentative, which is interesting in an Arab context, because <laughs> it's an argumentative, passionate culture. But if they're going to get caught up in... in chatter and godless chatter and stupid conversation and winds of doctrine and crazy ideas. Yeah, yeah we don't have that here. You don't have that here at all. Um, then honestly, you're wasting your time. Now, they may not stay there. You always leave the door open because people can grow. But I'm not going to bother investing. 
And not and not money oriented, which there's a lot. We can have a big conversation about that because coming in as a Westerner, they all, you're always viewed as you got a lot of money, which you do relatively. Mm-hmm. So we have to be watching the motives when it comes to money. Mm, yeah, I could see that. Um, in, in light of that, what happens if you find someone? Let's say you're building discipleships because and discipleship in people, and you have someone in like. So in Second Timothy two two, it says you know there was Paul. Yeah. He said, "Hey, look, Timothy, basically." remember the things which I taught you, seek out what you said, faithful people, and let them be able to teach things to others also. The four people, Paul, Timothy, faithful people, and then others also. Four generations. Four generations. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you find someone that's in the fourth quadrant, if you will, Mm. but they really want to be a Timothy, Mm. but they find themselves in this fourth area, and they're like, why can't I be Uh Timothy? Uh Well, here's one way of looking at it. We are all... At one point, that generation. Because that one verse kind of summarizes how the kingdom of God has expanded in the earth. If you and I, if you are a believer and a follower of Jesus, you can trace your spiritual genealogy back to Christ. Because this is how the kingdom of God grows. It's through discipleship. Which means Jesus' disciple, 3, 12, 72... They discipled others. They discipled others. And if we traced it back, you and I have had people that have discipled us in some way because they were faithful to pass on what was put into them. So we're all, you know, fourth generation, <laughs> but, you know, 400,000 generation. Um, how, how would I encourage them um, to do everything, I mean, that the scripture tells us to do? You know, to be faithful, to, to be prepared to share your faith. Just be prepared. There's so many tools available to you. I mean, I mean, I could put it on a website. So many different tools and approaches to how to share what you believe about Jesus or your own personal testimony. And there are simple methods and there are complicated methods, but be prepared and be bold. And these two are connected. Because the more prepared you are, the more bold you're likely to be, you know, to share your faith. And then um, the other things I said, like, like be accountable and focus on Jesus. You know, the, the reasons why we get caught up in unnecessary distractions is, is that we're just not focusing on Jesus. Every conversation we have. I'm learning to share less about what I think and more about who Jesus is and what he said. And that's been hard, I can tell you, (laughs) as an opinionated Australian (laughs) who spent most of my ministry life pulpit teaching and in lecture hall to actually start just turning people towards Jesus. Talk about Jesus Bring up scripture, read the Bible together, direct people towards the words of Jesus and the words of the apostle. And then it's, you don't have to worry about it because it's not you shining, is it? You're not preaching yourself. You're proclaiming Jesus. And Jesus is so wonderful. He's still wonderful. People might not like you. They don't like me. Hard to believe. 
I get why you don't like me, but but Jesus is wonderful. And so make him the center of everything. And then you don't have to be afraid. That's really good. One last question I want to ask, because you're talking about actions. Um, The contrast between how we function and how most every other nation I've been to functions as a church Mm. is so polar opposite. It's so difficult to even explain it mm. unless you see it. Yeah. But in light of that, how do you help people move from, because it's religion in either context, from religion to relationship, when that religion is such a part of the culture? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I go back to what I just said. I mean, you, you exalt Jesus for sure. And scripture, we have this theme and we have some core values but one is deep rootedness in scripture but modeling i mean the shift for us has been a big big transition from like we say this pulpit ministry where there's distance you know because i can shine up here um to to real deep modeling so when you read first and second timothy it they're really personal letters This is Paul, particularly Timothy, which is probably his last letter, so it's written in prison. And he refers to Timothy, my dear son, multiple times. And when he's exhorted him, him, there's a passage somewhere where, where he says, you know me. You know my life. You know how I've lived. You know how I taught. You know what I endured in this city and that city. You know how I've been persecuted. You've suffered with me. And so what we're learning to shift people from forms of outward worship, outward piety, to deep, this is my life. I worship God every day, every hour of the day I'm a follower, is we have to model and so we're opening up our lives, and Abby could tell you, you know, we've had people live with us, and, and we do life with them, and they get to see us do everything from raising my daughter to arguing with my husband um, to dealing with traffic and trying to show people every day what it's like to follow Jesus. And so, yeah, it's deeply, deeply personal. And, and because they can't meet people we're trying to reach in buildings and the way you can meet here, it's, it's learning that you can stop in the middle of a conversation and open your Bible. You know, and you can stop, you can have communion every, anywhere. And we do, we have communion in all sorts of places. And, and, and you, can, you can worship God spontaneously. It's learning that this is alive. It's not you go to a building on certain hours and do this and do that and meet those requirements. That's so good. That is so good. I think it would be important for us to get, I think one of the best things, not from the standpoint of people getting sick and dying, but one of the best things that's happened to church in America was having to shut down. Mm-hmm. And for people to get an idea of what is really this that I'm a part of or what is it that I really truly have? You know? I believe the Lord is purifying his church. 
I mean, what the enemy, obviously I believe it's the enemy meant for, for harm. God is sure. doing what he does Absolutely. beautifully, Absolutely. which is purifying his church and purifying our faith and, and you know, sifting what is worthless and will be burnt up and what will remain. And Absolutely. I actually think it's a thrilling time to be alive. Absolutely right. I agree 100%. 100%. I think it's a beautiful thing if we let God do, work his, do his process, do his work. You know, that's what we used to, we used to pray that stuff. When we first started serving Jesus, we used to pray, God, whatever you want, God, I'll do it. You know, that's how you wound up overseas. As long as it's not hard or difficult. Yeah, as long as it's not hard or difficult. Or that's what we pray anything. now. But when we first started out, we would say, whatever, I'll go anywhere, I'll do whatever you just, just, whatever, God. And that's when you wind up doing what you do. But we get so comfortable and things get easy and it's just the good life. And then we forget that he still wants that heart that says whatever. It doesn't mean he's going to make you go. It might just help make you sin. Yeah. Okay. Though, can I comment on that? Please. Because you, you're in First and Second Timothy. Mm-hmm. First two chapters of Second Timothy, Paul refers to suffering four times, and twice he invites Timothy to join with him in suffering. Straight up gospel. Yeah. That'll Straight preach. Straight up. Yeah, it will. <laughs> People don't like it, but it preaches. Yeah. So, so maybe that's another difference between the Western church and yeah. parts of the world where the church is flourishing in difficult places mm-hmm. is because there is a different attitude towards suffering. There really is. Well, I, I'm going to try. There's some other questions we'll try to answer offline. I'll see what I can do. Um, but uh, I'll leave you with one particular one. It's a fun one. Um, and then I would last, just ask you to pray for everybody here and then I'll I'll wrap up but um, specifically if you have anything you want to pray that the Lord's prompted you to pray over them um, I think it may be it may be your daughter I can't tell but I think I'm not sure but someone's asking <clears throat> it may be another Abby or Abigail or Abby or um, but someone's asking it's not you she's like no it ain't me don't pick on me alright somebody else then maybe I'm look I'm reading it wrong okay what's your favorite thing about living in where you live What's your favorite? This, is this you, Abby? Yes. <laughs> it is you. She wants to hear something like, come on. Abby man. is a coffee addict. Ahwe is Arabic for coffee. And so <laughs> we have, you know, we're just doing life. We have a local coffee shop started by a local person, and it's called Three Elephants, and she loves it. And they all know her by name. It's like friends, you know, it's the cafe where she goes and hangs out. <laughs> And they greet her and they know her order. That is Abby's favorite thing. (laughs) About so we are just building you know everyday relationships wherever we go. Um, My my favorite thing is just seeing how much God loves these people and how God you know you can I know we're people we're afraid of what we're not familiar with so you can be around people that are wearing some head covering or long tunics or all the various names for them and they look so foreign and different but when you get to know them and you see their heart and you hear how they're really seeking God so many and how what God is doing in their life I think I just feel so privileged to be in a part of the world where God is doing such amazing things. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, um, I'm going to pray for you in a minute, but like, if there's anything you feel led to pray, uh, 
you don't mind, just praying over the church and then whoever God prompts you to pray, and then I'll, I'll wrap up after Can I just thank you, though, first? Thank you, Pastor Jody and Haley, and thank the elders, and thank this congregation, because how can they go unless they are sent? And you are a very important part of our sending team. We have many churches and individuals that help us go, both financially and in prayer and other help. We've got Mark and Annette Hannah here who have helped us and still help us in multiple ways. And we're just really, really grateful. So thank you. Father, uh, you love this church. And every individual in this church, you know by name, whether they know you or whether they don't in this building, you know them. And you chose them and you called them and you appointed them for something. Father, I pray that you help um, through the aid of the Holy Spirit, there be a separation between what is temporary, what will turn to dust, what will pass away, what will perish in the fire, and what is of no matter, no real matter, that there will be a sifting of this and that their eyes would be shifted, Lord, to what is of real consequence, what will remain, what they can take with them, and what you truly care about. And Father, for those that have grown weary or distracted, I pray, Father, that by the Holy Spirit, you would reveal Jesus again to them. They long to see you, Lord, and see you in fresh ways. Jesus, be lifted here. Be exalted. Be shown. Be revealed for all you are. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, look, once you give Miss Carolyn a hand, thank you for coming and being a part with us today. Oh, man, that's so, so great. So great to hear about all the things that's going on over there. And then she's going to be here if you want to hear again, and you want to hear it in Spanish and English, uh, and that ought to be fun. <clears throat> she's going to be here at the Espanol campus as they meet here in just a few minutes. So you're welcome to hang out and go through this again and hear maybe some other things. But I'm asking you to stand to your feet this morning before we leave. Um, I just want to pray for you. Don't forget events.cornerstonerome.com. Ladies, come hang out at our house. And uh, one of the reasons Havia is doing this is because of some of what Carolyn just mentioned. We, we, um, I don't want to say it rudely, but I just, this whole Sunday morning thing is not getting the job done. And so um, uh, we want to help you go deeper and have the kind of spiritual relationships you can have to grow with and not just hear a guy talk on a Sunday and leave. Um, so anyway, be sure you sign up for that. Events.cornerstonerome.com. All this stuff's available for all of you. Uh, there's different things that go there. Before I go, I want to pray for you. Um, if you're here and you don't know Christ, our prayer ministry team, I'll ask them to come down front. And so these are prayer ministers that they're here to pray for you. If you need anything whatsoever in your life, maybe you're dealing with something, you're going through something, everybody needs prayer. Can I get an amen, right? Don't we all need prayer? Carolyn just mentioned she needs prayer. Everybody needs prayer. If you need prayer, they're down here. They would love to pray with you today, okay? But before we go, um, I always like to speak this over our church. If you're here, as they... Uh, uh, Pull this up on numbers so you can see it. Before you go, if you want to pray and receive Christ, one of these individuals down here will lead you in that prayer. Um, I normally pray this, but I just feel like for some of you in here, maybe the Lord prompts you from what she just said. It needs to go beyond just a Sunday morning prayer. 
It's like you need to tell somebody, I need to receive Jesus. I need it to be real and personal in my life, not just a prayer that I pray and walk out the door. Tell one of these individuals and let them help you get started walking with Christ today. If that's you, don't leave without doing that today, okay? So as before we go, I'd like to speak this over you before we leave in Numbers chapter 6. We always pray this over you before you leave. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. You're dismissed. And let your kids eat all that candy. It'll be just fine. All right? All right. Goodbye. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.